Okay, we've been going through the Gospel of John in a series called Come and See. Come and see. That's Jesus' gracious invitation to all who want to know what life is really all about. When he calls his first disciples, he says, come, come and see. And today we have an account of a man who couldn't see a thing. He was blind from birth. And in our story that we're going to read, true story from the Gospel of John, this blind man comes to see. And there's a group of leaders, the Pharisees, who should be able to see, but they just can't seem to see anything (laughs) at all. So just a little little background as we get into this passage. I think it's important. Uh, Since we've been in John, we're I think in chapter 9 today, but in John chapter 7, we started this uh, whole big long section about Jesus going to Jerusalem to the Feast of Tabernacles, or some call it the Feast of Booths or Tents. And it's all about celebrating God's goodness and provision. It's a harvest festival, but it really centers on the exodus and the wilderness wanderings when the people did live in tents. And uh, so during this festival, the Jewish people, they make uh, tents and huts and they live outside. And uh, there's water is a big part of this. We've talked about that. But also light is a big part of this. And in the ancient times, there were huge oil lamps that were lit up at night that had just gallons and gallons of oil. And they were just way up high, guys would climb poles to light them, and they would light up the whole city from the courtyards of the temple. And it's in this context that Jesus has been talking about being the light of the world. And so as we get into this, there's a couple of verses from chapter 1. I just want to plant in our hearts and our minds as we move through this together this morning. So this is from John chapter 1. John writes, and and talking about Jesus, and says, In him was life, and listen to this, and that life was the light of all mankind or all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then down to verse 9 of that same chapter, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So Jesus brings this whole idea that he's the light of the world home to us today as he heals this blind man. You know, it's, it's one thing, to think about God, you know, out there somewhere, uh, shining over all of us, providing light, kind of like the sun shines on all of us and everything every day. Uh, and and, and th- God does provide spiritual light to every human being uh, who turns to him. But sometimes he, that kind of concept just can seem distant and uh, far away and or maybe so bright that your eyes are you think my eyes would be blinded if I stared at it too long it's just it just seems very big and kind of out there but it's another thing altogether to think of that light the light of God in your home in your room in your heart a light that allows you to see and read and live and, and get around in this world. And then I think it's even more personal when we think about Jesus opening up the eyes of a blind man who had only known 
darkness his whole life until Jesus came along. And I think that's a picture of each and every one of us before Christ and after Christ. And so I pray that as we look at this account of the healing of this man born blind, I pray that God would open the eyes of our hearts this morning, that we would come and we would see, just like Jesus invites us to come and see, and that a light would go on for each and every one of us this morning. A light that would help us see who Jesus is, but also help us to be aware of our blind spots. And also to understand how this man, this man born blind who's healed, is a picture of each and every one of us, uh, and how Jesus comes into our lives and opens up our eyes. So let's get into John chapter 9. Here we are at verse 1. We're going to actually go through this whole chapter today, <laughs> and uh, I'll read it as we go, because it's, it's, it's quite a story, but you've got to get it all. So here we go. This is right after he says he's the light of the world the day, uh, you know, earlier in the day, and now he goes, and they're walking by. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work, works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus had just been talking about being the light of the world. His disciples see this blind guy begging. And did you catch the question in the heart of that question? You know, it's really, whose fault is this? Who's to blame? Who sinned that this man would be born blind? And, you know, isn't it true so often that's where we go when something bad happens? It's like, who allowed this to happen? You know, you know people are in counseling. They spend lots of money to find out, oh, it's your parents' fault. <laughs> it was your parents' fault. That's why you are the way you are. That's who's to blame. Or the parents, they're sure it's the child's fault. Oh, it's those kids. They never listened. It's the kids' fault or you think it's your husband's fault or your wife's fault or oh it's the neighborhood's fault right it's the whole neighborhood they just it's society's fault they didn't care they weren't aware now you know there there is a time to determine fault i i to be sure i don't deny that there's a time to determine fault but um that's not what jesus does in this situation you know, sometimes we have troubles because of our own actions. It's our own fault. And sometimes we have troubles because of other people's actions. It's someone else's fault. But sometimes we have troubles because we are just people that live in a broken world and things just don't always go right in this life because this is a fallen world. But something I've found, and maybe you've found this too, no matter where your troubles come from, if we bring our troubles to the Lord, no matter whose fault it is, if we bring our troubles and our cares and our hurts to the Lord, he has a way of making something good out of the messes that we let go of and place into his powerful hands. And so what does Jesus do? What does Jesus say? Whose fault is this that this man can't see? But Jesus really doesn't answer that. He says it's, it's not his parents' fault. It's not his fault. It's so that God might be 
glorified. And so Jesus is quick to do what? Jesus is quick to turn on the light. Rather than focusing on the blame, focusing on who caused it, Jesus says, let's turn on the light. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. In other words, enough of this cursing the darkness. Let's turn on the light. And I want to say, I think there is a word here for us church people. Because sometimes, sometimes we get so caught up in pointing out a person's sin. We get so caught up in pointing out what's wrong. Pointing out faults. Pointing out failings. That I think we forget. You know, we complain about how dark it is. But we forget that we're called to turn on the light, to turn on Jesus' light and let that light shine. You know, something I've found through years of uh, just knowing people, and I think you know this too, is uh, most people who are in the dark and lost, uh, they know that they're in the dark and lost. Deep down, they know they're in the dark. They know that they're lost. They're just looking for some light. They're looking for someone to point the way out. But I I say most people, because some people, and we're going to meet some of these people later on in this story, some people are completely in the dark, and they think they can see, and they can't. And Jesus lets them know that they're mistaken. Jesus lets them know, hey, you guys are like the blind leading the blind. You're so busy telling other people are in the dark, and you can't see yourself. Now, there's a true story when my youngest son was in about fifth grade. Uh, He was having some problems, and the teacher thought that maybe he needed glasses. The teacher uh, called up and said, hey, uh, I think Micah needs an eye test. You should get his eyes checked out. So I thought, okay, I'll be a good dad. Take him to the optometrist, and I'll set the example. I haven't had my eyes checked for a while, so um, I'll get my eyes checked first, and then we'll have an appointment together, and then Micah will get his eyes checked. And so I went first, Micah watched, and then Micah got his eyes checked, and I watched, and I'm thinking, oh, man, am I glad. I'm, you know, I'm looking over his shoulder as he's reading that eye chart. I'm going, I'm, man, God, I'm so glad, so glad we came. This kid can't see. I don't know how he's been getting through life. He's getting everything wrong on this eye chart. I just can't, can't believe it. You know, this kid needs glasses. So the optometrist sets us down, and... Uh, looks at Micah and says, hey, Micah, your eyes are fine. (laughs) Looks at me and says, Mr. Norman, I don't know how you get through life (laughs) without having glasses. (laughs) You're in trouble. You need need glasses. And I said, doctor, I'm sorry, you just lost your tip. No, no, I didn't. I said, thank you. I didn't realize how bad off I was. And I got glasses and uh, the whole world opened up to me. I could have sworn my eyesight was fine. I didn't know how bad off I was. And that's how the Pharisees are in the story today. So don't be so sure you can see everything as clearly as you think you do. And I'm going to talk more about the Pharisees later on at the end of this. But uh, first things first, let's hear more about how Jesus, the light of the world, brings light to this poor blind man. 
So, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. Okay, yes, you did hear that correctly. Jesus did spit. (laughs) He spit on the ground. And it must have been a lot of spit because he made mud with it and he smeared it on this guy's eyes. Now, the translators, they, they try to clean this up a little bit. You know, they, they, they say saliva and uh, anointed. He anointed his eyes. But I want to let you know that uh, Jesus spit on the ground, <laughs> made a lot of spit, spit on the ground, made mud, and smeared it on this guy's eyes. And, you know, just put yourself in the blind guy's place for a minute. He, he can't see what's coming. He can hear what's going on. I don't know what he thought was going on. <laughs> and he's sitting there. I don't know if he heard the disciples and Jesus talking, but suddenly there's this guy. You can hear him spitting, and he's smearing mud all over his eyes. You know, John doesn't give us the gory details. We don't really know exactly how, <laughs> how that went down, but I can just, you know, hear the guy say, like, what are you doing? <laughs> And Jesus smears the mud on and says, go wash in the pool. And the guy goes, yeah, you're sure right. I'm going to go wash in the pool. <laughs> I'm washing this stuff off, you know, right away. Uh, but I have a feeling when that mud hit his eyes, I, I don't know. I just feel that it was like something he had never experienced before. I, I, I have a feeling that he just, he just must have thought God is up to something here. You know, he doesn't ask to be healed. I don't think he expected anything like that to happen that day. Jesus just shows up, and here's mud in your eye. You know, literally, here's mud in your eye. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe as a, as a toast, you know, everyone lifts their glass and says, here's mud in your eye. You know, when I was reading this, I was thinking that um, I'm really glad the early church did not turn this into a religious ceremony. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's the second Sunday of the month. It's Mud in the Eye Sunday. Everybody come and we'll... No, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm so glad no one did that. But whatever the case, this guy was healed. And some people have brought out, in uh, looking at this passage, some commentators that, you know, we are made from the dust of the earth. That's how God made us. And they said, you know, maybe, maybe when Jesus made that mud out of the dust that day and smeared it on that guy's eyes, he was actually making new eyes for him. You know, John doesn't tell us, but however Jesus did it through that mud, the man could see his eyes were new. And the news spread fast. The neighbors, everybody started talking about this. Verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he's like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus 
made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. So I, I just want you to catch what I think John is uh, kind of playing with the story a little bit too to just let us see, <laughs> open our eyes to see. But here, this is just so great. The, the people who have been seeing their whole lives, suddenly they can't believe their own eyes. They can't see to tell, is this a guy? I'm not sure. I think it's the guy. It looks like the guy. They, they can't believe their own eyes. And they're trying to figure out what happened. And nobody is willing to take a stand on this. And so they decide, figuring this whole thing out, it's above our pay grade. Let's call in the experts. Well, watch out when they call in the experts. Uh, they're going to kick this up a notch. Go Get a professional opinion from the Pharisees. Verse 13. So they brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. What is this, the third time he's told this whole story? Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Well, these experts are not much help, are they? You know, the the man... He's now he's called the formerly blind man. Uh, he's had sight, let's say, probably less than an hour, maybe two hours at the most. And he is seeing clearer than people who have been able to see their whole lives. You know, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? So there's a little wordplay going on here, too. Um, so pardon my pun, you know, more is going on than meets the eye. Right? More is going on that meets the eye here. It's like, what do you say about him since he has healed your eyes? Uh, it's kind of like just on the physical, what do you say about him? But John is opening up a door here for us to, what do you say about him since he's opened your spiritual eyes? Who do you see, Jesus? Have you come and do you see who he is? There's a progression of faith going on in this man's heart and in his spirit the light is coming on for him his faith in jesus is growing and you see this in the beginning he doesn't know who he is and then he okay it's jesus and then he's a he's a prophet he's seeing in the spirit as well as seeing in the physical verse 18 The Jews did not believe that he had been blind. (laughs) Listen to this. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? I mean, do you catch what's going on here? They're starting to believe, oh, he never really was blind. (laughs) This guy never really was blind. 
He was just faking it all these years. What a scam. He's been scamming us. Now we know because he can see. He never really, let's call his parents and find out, was, he, was your kid really blind? <laughs> the, parents, the parents come on the scene. The parents answered, we know this is our son. Okay. <laughs> and we know that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared for the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus as the Christ, he was be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, ask him, for he's of age. He's of age, ask him. You know... <laughs> I don't know what you think about these parents. I don't know what to think about these parents. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds to me, uh, I hope I'm not being too harsh on them, but it sounds to me like they're throwing their kid under the bus, doesn't it? We don't know. Ask him. We're, we don't want to get involved in this. You know, we don't know all the details of this family. We don't know the relationship. We do know that he's begging out on the street. I think we could probably guess that he's homeless if he's begging out on the street. You know, through the years uh, of ministry, I have come to know and to help out a lot of homeless people. And I find that some of the homeless I've met, they're there because of misfortune, that, you know, circumstances beyond their control, uh, things happen, jobs are lost, life fell apart. Other Homeless people I've met are there because of mental illness and they don't want to be in a group home or an institution and they and that's where they go. Or some people are there because of addictions and other uh, problems. But more than once, I've asked people I've gotten to know who are homeless, I've asked, you know, do you have any family? Uh, won't they help? Can't you go stay with them? Uh, might they take you in? And I'll tell you, more times, and it's more often than not, what I hear is, you don't know. No, my family won't take me in. They won't have anything to do with me anymore. And now here God has come into this man's life. He's been healed of his blindness that has made him a beggar on the streets. Uh, he gains his sight. By the end of the story, uh, spoiler alert, but by the end of the story, he really does know who Jesus is. He knows that Jesus is his Messiah. But right, his life is just turned upside down. Uh, you know, just because he finds God and he's healed, it doesn't mean his troubles are over. And we need to hear this. His family is distancing from him. It sounds like they were distant already, but they've distanced themselves even more. Um, another spoiler alert is he's soon to be thrown out of the synagogue. You know, he was already on the edge of society by being a blind, uh, homeless beggar, but he was still part of that community. Now he is cast out. And I think there's an important lesson for us here today is that just because you find God, and even if you find healing from God, it doesn't mean life is going to be perfect and easy and rosy from there out. In fact, sometimes when we find God, life gets even harder. But I don't think he would give having his eyes opened 
and coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior back for anything because he has found the true light that lights the whole world. So verse 24. So for a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. One thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Have you heard those words before? How about amazing grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And you can say it with me. I was blind, but now I see. It's probably the best loved, of all, best known of all hymns, Amazing Grace. Um, I don't know where they get this figure from, but I, I read that it's probably been performed. Uh, it probably gets performed 10 million times a year. And it's appeared on over 11,000 uh, albums. What you may not know about that song is that the guy who wrote it, John Newton, uh, he was a slave trader who came to Jesus. He, he, he came to Christ. He eventually left the slave trade, couldn't do it in a good conscience anymore, and he became, he became a pastor. And he wrote lots of hymns. This is probably the most famous. But in his later years... He actually got involved in abolishing slavery. Uh, in fact, he helped abolish it in England. He was one of the moving major forces in getting rid of slavery in England because he would write and go around testifying about how evil and cruel slavery was and how Christians really couldn't practice uh, slavery. You see, what happened in John Newton's life, he had his physical sight, but his spiritual sight was changed. He could never see the world. He could never see life the same again after Jesus Christ came into his life. And we can no longer see the world the same after Jesus comes into our lives. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9, if you want to look it up later, 1 Corinthians 2.9. But it's written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I doubt very much that that blind man ever imagined that he would regain his sight that day. But God had a plan for him that was bigger than his imagination. I'm sure John Newton, as a young man, captaining, he was a captain of a slave ship. When he was going and getting the slaves, I doubt very much that he ever dreamed or imagined that he would be instrumental in abolishing the slave trade in England. But that's what God had imagined for John Newton's life. And I have a feeling that few, if any of us, have a clue about the amazing things that God has planned for your life, for each and every one of us, actually in this life and in the next life. I don't think we, I don't think we can imagine what he has for us. And here, this poor guy, he, he got his sight back. He can see 
But man, they are questioning him. They are hounding him. And man, my heart goes out to this guy. I feel for him. Yeah, there, but there's, a, there's another lesson here for us that we, I don't want us to miss while we're in this passage today. Have you noticed how many times this guy says in this story, either I do not know or this I do know? Like right here in this passage, it says, where there's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. You know, we need to listen to this. God only asks us to share what we know about him to be true, what God has done in our lives. I think so many times we're afraid to share about the things of faith because we know people are going to pound us with questions just like they did to that guy. And, and, but but do you, you see how he doesn't get caught up in those questions? Questions that he can't answer? What does he say? I don't know. I think that gives us freedom. We don't have to know everything, understand everything to share about Jesus and what Jesus has done. We just, just need to know what Jesus has done. This I do know. One thing, that though I was blind, now I see. There's a lot of great wisdom in that. I think we, we, fear, we should not fear sharing what we know. You know it to be true. Feel empowered by God to share that. But we should be careful not to share what we don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think that's where the, we get in trouble, brothers and sisters. We start talking about things we really don't know. We start answering questions that we, we, God hasn't shown us yet. Nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. Let's pray about that. Let's go to the Word together. Uh, let's call up the pastor, give him a hard time, and see if he can answer that one. But uh, to me, it's great freedom to share what we do know. They said to him, Still pounding him with questions. Verse 26. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. Catch this answer. It's great. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he has opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Wow. This guy, we don't, we don't even, we're not even told his name in this story. The early church um, tradition gives him the name of Celadonius, and uh church tradition credits him with uh, planting some churches but I mean in this story we see him going from a blind beggar uh, just begging for alms by the side of the road and to hear now he's speaking up to the teachers of the law and pointing out their hypocrisy and he's turning on a light as to what's really going on and who Jesus really is 
Why so many questions? Do you want to be his disciples too? You know, Isaiah the prophet said that the Messiah would cause the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, and the blind to see. And so far in the Gospel of John, we've seen the lame walking, and now we have the blind seeing. And this guy is getting closer and closer to knowing that Jesus really is the Messiah, and he's becoming wiser and wiser in his speech as his spiritual sight has been opened. And you can tell these Pharisees are getting frustrated with him because he's showing them up. Uh, and, you know, you can always tell when someone's losing the argument because they'll switch their tactics. And you see the switch in tactics here. They're no longer arguing any of their understandings or their ways of seeing scripture. They're, it's a personal attack. And that happens in arguments. When a person's losing the argument, they stop talking about the facts and the data, and they start talking about you. They resort to character assassination, and that's what happens here. You were born in utter sin. They've already labeled this guy's problem. It must be from sin. Jesus told us, no, it's just happens in life and God is using this to glorify himself. This is for God's glory. They, they label him, they ridicule him, and they cast him out. But you know what Jesus says to us? Jesus says that blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he may be cast out of the community but Jesus comes to him and finds him and welcomes him into the kingdom of God, welcomes him into God's forever family. So we're going to look at this last part of the passage. And let's see, why am I not changing my slide here, Steve? I think I can. There we go. Okay. So last part of this, of this passage. So Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Well, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped. So his eyes have been fully opened now. He sees with his physical eyes, with his spiritual eyes, who Jesus is. And Jesus goes on, verse, next verse. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see your guilt remains. So I just want to share one thing in closing as the guys come on up and get ready to lead us in our final song. Um, these people, these Pharisees, who can see physically, are completely in the dark spiritually. And Jesus lets them know that they are mistaken. In one of the other Gospels, he talks about them as the blind leading the blind. They're so busy telling others they're in the dark that they can't see their preconceived notions of how things should be keep them from seeing things as they really are. It's just like I was at the eye doctors that day. 
you know, I was so convinced I could see properly, but over the years, my sight got worse and worse and worse till I wasn't, I was not seeing as well as I thought I could see. I needed glasses. And the reason, you wonder, why does the Bible talk so much about Pharisees all the time and always pointing out, you know, how wrong they were and how blind they were to what God was doing? Well, it's because Phariseeism is a very easy and subtle trap for spiritual people to fall into. You know, we can get so set in the way we think things should be that we start missing the way God says they really are. We get so attached to what we want, and we've had some, maybe some recovery in our life or some healing in our life, and we forget to, see, we fail to see the other parts of our lives where God still wants to bring healing and wholeness to us. And I think this is a warning to all of us to be humble, to be open, to be teachable, and to know that the light really comes from Jesus. The light comes from Jesus. It comes, we, we're, we're saved by grace, not anything of ourselves that we should boast. It's like we're not doing God a favor by serving him. He's being gracious and merciful to us, coming to us in our blindness and opening our eyes. And just as this blind man from birth, we see the stages of him seeing more and more and more. That's the spiritual life. As God keeps opening our eyes, and we go to deeper understanding, and he shows us this area of darkness and this area of darkness, and we bring this to him. And pity us if we think that we've arrived. Pity us if we f start focusing more on how finding blame and seeking out, complaining about how dark it is, and we forget to turn on the light or let Jesus shine his light through us. So let's pray. Lord, just as we sang in the worship song this morning, I pray that you open up our eyes in wonder, that you'd show us who you are, that you'd fill us with your heart, and you'd lead us in your love to those around us. Lord, you are the light of the world. And I pray that we would receive that light, we would live in that light, and we'd let that light shine through us. So, Lord, this world is a very dark place. Lord, help us to be the light, to shine your light as you are light. In Jesus' name, amen.